0: You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right, all right. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. All right. Well, hey, if you have not joined a community group, I want to encourage you to do that. I was just talking to a guy right outside these doors right before service, and it is the next step to get connected to a the church. It's an incredible opportunity. Some of your best friends uh, might just be in that community group. I How many of you would just say, some of my closest friends are in the community group? Raise your hands for me. Look around. Isn't that cool? Let's celebrate that. That's really good. Yeah. So a part of the reason why is a Christian life is the best life. And then when you do uh, form that friendship and with other folks, and, and man, it's a meaningful experience. So don't do life alone. Make sure you sign up. go to NorthValley.org. You can do it. It's not too late. I want to encourage you to do that. So, um, well, I want to share with you a story as we get into today's message. Um, how many of you uh, would say that uh, you're uh, you don't struggle with road rage, but uh, maybe you have in the past? I'll just let you off easy. <laughs> okay. Look, look out for these people, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Not too long ago, I was driving my truck, and um, my daughter was in the car with me. She's uh, very young at this point in time, and uh, we're driving, and then all of a sudden, the road changes from two lanes one way to one, and the signs came up and saying, you know, merge, right lane, closing, or whatever. And so, she's in the back, and I'm driving, and I'm thinking... To mountain road it's you know i don't want to get behind this individual i'm going to pass this guy and i'm just going to hammer down so i had some flow masters on the truck and it sounded real nice so i said whoa start passing and sure enough it happens he doesn't want to let me pass, you know? So then I just give it a little more. Whoa! And we're starting to race down this thing. I'm thinking, why, why are you doing this? You know? So I get it. And sure enough, the V8 kicks in and I'm able to pass. So then we're driving along and, um, you know, then all of a sudden it opens back up to the two lanes. You know, that scary moment when you're like, oh great, I'm going to see this guy again. And it opens up to the two lanes and, uh, we're driving. And sure enough, I'm like, I'm not going to get into this with this guy. I'm just going to let him pass me. Obviously, he wants to go faster than I do. That's great. So he just starts to, you know, uh, go past me. And I am just like chilled out. And uh, my daughter is thinking, like, dad, punch it, you know, gas it, do it again. And so I'm like, no, 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 we're good. I, I don't want to get into something here. So he blows past me and he leans his hand out the window and shoots me the finger. And I look at it, and I kind of chuckle. And my daughter says, what does that mean? I said, sweetie, it means we're number one. (laughs) And so sure enough, it opens back up, and she said, well, we're not number one anymore. And I said, you're right about that. Well, maybe we'll fix that. So, sure enough, it comes again and the lanes open up, and I think, ah, what the heck, I'm gonna go for it. So, whoa, I start to floor it. My daughter just leans out her window and goes, You're number one. <laughs> just kidding, she didn't do that. Uh, but don't you know, that's, it's confusing. Uh, this morning, what we're gonna do is uh, talk about light and darkness. And darkness has a metaphor, it could mean a, a lack of knowledge that you just don't understand. This is why we say, um, what are you in the dark about this situation? Shall I enlighten you? Uh, Dark is a metaphor in the Bible, not just for a lack of knowledge and not understanding something. It's also a metaphor for um, not knowing Jesus Christ, not understanding the truth of God and who He is. It is Walking in darkness, as the Bible describes it. Uh, darkness also represents evil. Darkness also represents uh, walking and living in sin. They walked in darkness. Light, on the other hand, represents God's righteousness, His goodness. And uh, this is uh, a metaphor that is a mega metaphor uh, as we're going to look at this morning. We are uh, in John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30 this morning. Uh, The title of the message is today is, I am the light of the world. Jesus proclaims this. This is the second great I am statement. A very strong identifier that he is God. And then what we're going to see is that uh, there are four truths for us to live by. Meaning, what can we live by if we really understand and believe an idea that there is light in darkness? And in American culture as Christians, ladies and gentlemen you need to understand that we have kind of come out of an era in church evangelicalism where uh, nobody wants to speak out against the dark because they're afraid. Half of you probably voted for Trump, but you didn't want to tell anybody because you were afraid of how much you might be persecuted. Um, We live in a time frame where to bring light into a situation means there's going to be significant ramifications on how you bring light into that situation. Most of the church today will tell you what they are for, while most of the church today will not tell you what they are against. Does that make sense? They, They will not speak up and tell you what they're against, but they will tell you what they are for. This is why some of you are here. Because you're like, Pastor Ryan, I appreciate you telling us what we should be against. Here's the reality in the Christian life. There is light, good, goodness, righteousness. There is darkness, evil, sin, wickedness. We as Christians are called to live in the light. Amen? So Jesus is coming to the temple. Um, I think this is at the tail end of the day. Earlier that morning, he had uh, been, th- uh, uh, been thrusted into a situation where a woman who was caught in adultery is thrown before him. Uh, he's in quite a dilemma. Uh, if he makes the decision uh, to follow the biblical law, she would be stoned to death. If he makes the decision uh, to dismiss it, he could be uh, liable to Rome. Uh, They want to trap Him. Earlier that morning, I think, is a great example of a woman who was walking in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. Um, It's the end of the day. The the sun is setting. Uh, We're at the temple. Jesus is there. Verse 12, Jesus says, again… Jesus spoke to them saying, I am, help me out, the light of the what? The world. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I believe this is at the end of the festival week as well. There's been a lot of darkness and debauchery going on perhaps as the festivities continued. Perhaps the women and children, many of them went home and said, we got to get back to normal life. We can't party all week. So, a lot of the men and some of the ladies stayed back. The festivities are going on. Uh, This would be Jesus' statement. Here is the backdrop of this statement. During the Feast of the Tabernacles, that is that long feast, uh, or the Feast of Booths, uh, there was a great ceremony called the illumination of the temple, um, which involved the ritual lighting of four golden oil-fed lamps in the treasury. This would be one section of the temple. These lamps were huge uh, menorahs or uh, candelabras is what they're called. They were 70 feet high, 75 feet high, uh, they were lighted in the temple at night and they were to remind the people of the pillar of fire that had guided them in the, uh, dur- in, during their wilderness journey. All night long, a pillar of fire uh, in days of old, um, they would lead the people in the wilderness by night. And uh, this ceremony was to remind them of how God is the source of all light, He is the goodness, He's the one who brings us out of darkness. In celebration and anticipation of the holiest of Israel's men, people would be dancing and singing and praising the Lord as the sun would be setting, and these big, huge candles would be lit. It was the idea, though, that pointed towards God's promise that He would send light into the world, into a sin-darkened world. God had promised to send a Messiah to renew Israel's glory and release them from bondage and restore them uh, their joy. Imagine if you were there, imagine what that would be like, uh, the end of the day, the end of the festival, this beautiful, powerful imagery of light pouring out into the darkness. Uh, some said that the light was so intense that they would even build the houses on uh, the far distance so that it could receive the light from the temple when they would light it. Uh, it was truly a sight to see, but it all pointed back towards Jesus is what it really did. Um, many of the people in the crowd, as Jesus made those statements, did not believe Jesus was the Messiah, nor the, claiming to be the light of the world but they knew that that was the promise. Jesus is the light of the world, as we will see. He's the source of all illumination. He's the one that brings the lost out of darkness. He's the one who declared Himself to be the light of the world. He uh, says these statements, I am the light of the world. Very powerful phrase that we'll look at later in today's message. And then He says a couple of other things. Whoever doesn't mean a certain person or a certain people group. It doesn't mean a certain level of education. It doesn't mean somebody uh, who's got all their life together. I mean, the woman who was caught in adultery was invited. Uh, all of them, anyone, whoever follows me, Jesus says, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There are several key phrases in there. That we're going to draw upon today for, so that you and I can understand four really critical truths about understanding light and darkness in the spiritual life. Let me finish out the text and we'll come back to verse 12. It says uh, So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing uh, witness about yourself. Your testimony is not what? It's not true. Uh, Immediately there's controversy. Uh, Jesus is uh, teaching. For him to say, I'm the light of the world, would have been uh, uh, kind of interrupting the illumination of the temple ceremony. It's like uh, he, he robbed the glory of the moment. When Jesus says that, the temple's lit up. And then he says, I'm the light of the world. They're like, no, you're not. You're just a man. Some in the crowd are, I think he is the light of the world. I think that's the Messiah. Verse 14, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. He's speaking to individuals that are in darkness. They're lost. Jesus is right in front of them. He's performed miracles. When you were lost, it didn't matter if somebody shared the gospel with you. It just went in one ear and out the other. So many times. I think somebody preached the gospel to me. Not someone. I think dozens of people preached the gospel to me. Probably about 40, 50 times. Seriously, great clarification. In one ear, out the other. Why did I not receive it? I was lost, I was in the dark didn't understand. So, they don't know what's going on. Verse 15, Jesus says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. What He's meaning there is in Jesus' first coming is He didn't come to judge the world, that He will come back, and He will judge the whole world. There is a day coming called Judgment Day. Every believer, by the way, will face Judgment Day for how you lived this life. That he will judge the righteous and the unrighteous in his second coming, in his first coming. He says, I judge no one. Verse 16, he says, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Verse 17, in your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. So they're frustrated. They're like uh, confused about this. Jesus brings clarity that you need uh, two or more witnesses. Verse 18, Jesus says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Do you remember when Jesus uh, was baptized? He identified with John the Baptist, and a voice from heaven broke out, and God the Father said, This is my son. God the Father has approved Jesus publicly. Jesus knows this. Verse 19 They said to him, Therefore, where is your father? Uh, Why were they asking that? Uh, Probably because Joseph was not in the picture at this point in time. They're referring to Jesus' adoptive dad, his earthly father. Uh, Joseph, uh, many church historians would think that maybe that he's passed on. Uh, We don't see uh, where Joseph is, and they're kind of confused and don't know where, whose father is who. They don't really understand what Jesus is talking about. Jesus answered and says, you know neither me nor my Father. And he's speaking about his heavenly Father. He says, if you knew me, you would also know my Father also. Jesus is one with the Father. Uh, Jesus is God. He's already claimed that. Nobody else claims that, by the way. Buddha, Muhammad, Gandhi, none none of them claim that. Jesus did. This is is what's unique about Jesus. Proclaims himself to be God. To say the words, I am, would have been a clear signal to everybody around. This is, he's claiming to be God. Verse 20, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And this is where the the candelabras would be, the huge uh, outpouring of light. And he's saying he's the light of the world. He taught in the temple, but no one arrested him. John adds the note because his hour had not yet come. He's in divine timeline. Sovereign steps, going right according to God's plan and purpose. Verse 21, so he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you'll die in your sin. Uh, That's pretty tense. They're thinking, who who are you to pronounce that kind of stuff? He says, where I'm going, you cannot come. Why Why can they not come? Because the one sin that is unforgivable is unbelief if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus can't forgive you. That's it. So he says, where I'm going, you can't come. Sorry. Why? Because you don't believe. You won't receive me as the Messiah. Verse 22, so the Jews said, will he kill himself? Is this guy suicidal? What's he talking about? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 23, he said to them, you are from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. Do you see the distinctions that Jesus is making? He's not afraid. Church, you should not be afraid. There are clear distinctions in life. There's good and there's evil. There's right and there's wrong. And what we do is we play around and act like it's all okay. It's not that big a deal. No, it is. Uh, Jesus is not afraid to create the distinctions and the classifications. Verse 25, so they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I've already told you all this. How many times does it take? What keeps you in darkness, ladies and gentlemen, is unbelief. That's what kept them in darkness, unbelief. Uh, Faith is the channel in which God's grace is going to travel through your life. Faith is the channel where you can see God's goodness and His righteousness. Believe, believe, believe. Verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but He who sent me is true, and I declare to the world. Not, Not to you guys. He didn't say that. I declare to the world. I've heard from Him. He's in counsel with the Trinity, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, eternally existing. Verse 27, they did not understand what he had been speaking to them. Of course they didn't. Why? Because their minds were darkened. Their hearts were hardened. They did not understand what he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, that's the cross, Uh, then you will know that I am he. There was a massive earthquake at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and a lot of people believed in him. Perhaps all those, maybe these guys that were standing there or these gals that were standing there, they finally believed, and Jesus knew the crowd was starting to separate. There were those in the crowd that did not believe, and they were in darkness, and there were those who all of a sudden saw the light. And then you will know that I am He and that I can do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. Verse 29, and He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, look what happened. Many what? Many believed. I mean, that's the good news right there is that many people did believe. They came out of darkness and they trusted in Christ. Let's go back to verse 8, 12. When Jesus spoke these things, he said this phrase, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want to share with you four truths that are good for your life. These are absolute truths. These are not uh, my ideas. This is just, this is biblical Christianity. This is how you live. These are the categories you need. Uh, number one is we live in a dark world. I'm a very much an optimist, (laughs) but i also need to be a realist. You and I live in a very dark world. What does that mean? That means that there's sin everywhere. That means there's so much unbelief. There's so much evil in the world. This is why we have lawyers. This is why we have the police. This is why we have the military. This is why we have laws because there is so much evil, amen? This is why you have rape. This is why you have murder. This is why you have divorce. This is why you have adultery. This is why you have uh, addiction, because sin is in the world, and we live in a dark world. I'm still an optimist because I know the story, that Jesus is the light of the world, and there's a lot of hope in it. There's a lot of good things still going on, even in a dark world. John 3.20 says this, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. How many of you um, like to sleep in late? Go ahead. You're like a night owl, okay? The night owls. Isn't it annoying when somebody comes in and flips on the light really quick? You're like, ah. Um, The other day I was out dove hunting and um, I've got a new truck that I'm real excited about. So I'm pleased I'm not hyper materialistic. I do appreciate good trucks. But uh, I said not hyper, you know, because probably I struggle at times with things that I love and appreciate and try to give God thanks and for the things he's given me. But I'm in my truck and I got these rigid lights on my, um, my truck and I, I'm whipping around through the dove field and you got to get there quick. You got to be there before the other guys get your spot. So I'm whipping through there, and I run through this big wash, and there's these guys hiding out in the wash, and it's pitch black, and I got my basically spotlights on. And this guy's like this. All of a sudden, I come around a corner, and he goes, Aah! just about falls over. I don't know what to say. I'm like, hey, just keep going. Um, light can repel people. It also attracts, uh, but when people are in darkness, they don't want to be in the light. I remember first coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm like, I don't want to be around those Christians. because when I'm around them, I feel terrible. I mean, is something wrong with those Christians? No. Something was wrong with me. I just didn't want to be around them. Why did I not want to be around them? Because they always talked about good stuff, and I don't have anything good to talk about. So I was afraid I'd rather stay in the dark. John 3:20 lays it out in the very beginning this whole metaphor is everywhere through the Bible there's light and darkness we live in a dark world for everyone who does wicked things evil things sinful things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed nobody wants to be exposed. You know who else didn't want to be exposed in the context John chapter 8 verse 9 you remember the religious people when Jesus starts drawing in the dirt and then he exposes their sins, all of a sudden they're like, I don't want to be here anymore. Jesus has exposed me. I'm out of here. And they walk away. Why did they walk away? Because the light revealed the darkness. They don't want to be there. First uh, Peter 2.9, this is the story for you and me. God has called you out of darkness, ladies and gentlemen, and into his marvelous light. The Christian life is always the best life. All the experience and the satisfaction that you find in the darkness, yes, it brings satisfaction. Yes, it feels good. But it's never as good as God's goodness. God is always greater. He's better than every delight that you could have and experience in the darkness. My best days, uh, pre-Jesus, uh, the best days, pre-Jesus, um, I would never trade them for my worst days post-Jesus. My worst days are still better. Um, God has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. What are you doing? What, what, what are you in? What are you involved in? What are you ashamed of? If somebody could see your search history, if somebody could examine your life, where are the areas that are dark or shady? God's called you out of darkness and into his light. Ephesians 5.11 says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I think this is a charge perhaps not just that you become the light police in people's life, but that you take that light and you look at yourself, that you see your own areas of weakness. When you are frustrated and angry at somebody, the best thing you could possibly do is look first to yourself and see what's wrong with you. And I find that when something happens and I'm frustrated about something, the Lord's voice says to me, slow it down and think about your own life for a moment. Then go talk to that person. Let God's word help you to expose that. Let a good Christian friend help expose the weaknesses in your life. If you are um, a new Christian and all you have is Christian or non-Christian friends you're hanging out and fellowshipping with people who are in the dark. Should you be a witness to them? Sure you can. But you need the light of truth shining through every conversation that you have with people so that you can better formulate what does it mean to live for Jesus Christ? Because your friends of old won't tell you what it looks like. But the friends that are new in the faith, or are strong in the faith, they will help you to walk it in your faith. John eleven ten 10 says this, if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Sometimes I wake up early in the morning and I'll get out and I'll go somewhere and every once in a while, I think I can walk through the house, right, all by myself without flipping on a light because I don't want to make anybody upset. I'm waking up so early and inconveniencing my wife so early in the morning. So a lot of times I'll flip on the light on my phone and then these screens are so bright, Right. You don't even need to flip on the light. You could just let your screen show you the way. Well, one morning I decide I don't need to do that. I get out and all of a sudden I hit something and I hit the ground. No light, stumble, fall. And uh, one of my kids left a toy out, but I won't name him, but (laughs) it's definitely what happened. And the Bible tells us if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Number two, Jesus is the light of the world. There's nobody like him. He is Jesus. Self-proclaimed God. Jesus is the light of the world. There's no other way. I don't care who you love, who you like, and if Jesus is just an option, he's a light, but there's other lights. No, there's not other lights. He's the one and only. He's the light of the world. He's got the exclusive claim on that. There's nobody else like him. He's the light of the world. What does this mean when Jesus says that? What it means is that he's the only way for salvation. That's what it means in its clearest sense, that there is salvation in no one else other than Jesus Christ. Your greatest days are only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. John 8, 12, notice what he says. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. The second great I am statement, there are seven in John's gospel. Jesus self-identifies Himself as uh, being God. To say those phrases, to say that word would mean that He is the Messiah. There's no other uh, world religious leader that claims themselves to be God. They claim that they are perhaps a prophet or somebody pointing the way. John 1.4 says, in Him was life. This is the very beginning of John's gospel. Uh, he says, in Him, referring to Jesus, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, meaning mankind, meaning He's the only one. Uh, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. There's no other hope in anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ. John 1.5 continues and says, the light shines in the darkness, how good is that? And the darkness has not overcome it. Light is always more powerful. Uh, the other day, I was out uh, in the back country, and at night, once we turned out all the lights, and I looked up, and I saw the power and the majesty of the stars. Beautiful. In Phoenix, you can't see them oftentimes because the light around us dims it. It dilutes it. Uh, this is why I think it is in Flagstaff they have a black sky policy, where they, or in Sedona. There's something powerful and beautiful about that. There's a massive contrast between light and darkness, and the good news is, ladies and gentlemen, the light always shines the darkest or the brightest in the dark. The darker it gets, the brighter it is. For the uh, Christian, for Jesus Christ. Here's what Watchman Nee said. He was a uh, Christian, uh, persecuted Christian church leader in China in early 1900s. He said, to secure one's freedom, the Christian must experience God's light, which is God's truth. You can't experience the freedom that you need in life apart from receiving Jesus Christ. Uh, Watchman Nee would have known darkness. He was imprisoned his last 20 years of his life, imprisoned. And yet he was still a light in the darkness. If you think about how uh, oftentimes what happens in... um, uh, times of war, uh, soldiers will be captured and they will put into isolation. And darkness uh, has an overwhelming power to break people down. They'll put them in the black hole or the dark hole. They'll put them down in a place where they can't see anything. Uh, Watchman Nee experienced much of that. To secure one's freedom, the Christian must experience God's light. My question is, if you experience God's light, what does that mean? It means God's truth. What is truth? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. Jesus is truth. Number three, you must, we must follow Jesus. That's the second part or third part of this passage or implication here is that you need to follow him. Some of you know about Jesus, but you just don't follow Jesus. Following Jesus is part of the Christian life. Um, you don't have to uh, follow him at such a high speed that he is blazing through life and you could never catch up because he's just too fast. All the time in the Christian life is described as just walk. Just, you're, the Christian life is a walk. You don't have to be super athletic. You just got to walk. This is why a lot of old people go early in the morning and they go on a walk. And they're going to live longer because they're walking. I don't see a lot of old people running I mean, that would be cool. You go to Colorado, you see the old people running up and down that mountain. You're like, how did you do that? Well, they started walking early, and they keep, keep moving. Jesus says, whoever, this is the good news for anybody that you're sad about or you yourself are confused whether you could be a Christian. He says, the invitation's for whoever whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you know who followed Jesus? The woman that was in the darkness. Earlier that morning, that was a great example of a woman who was walking in darkness and living in darkness. And she thought she was going to her death sentence, but instead she got eternal life. Instead, she was not condemned. Instead, she was given a second chance. And Jesus tells her, don't sin anymore. He calls her out of darkness and into light. What a great meeting for that woman. When it seemed like a tragedy, it ended up being some triumphal moment in her life. What does this mean in the context? I would say this, Exodus 13, 21. It tells the story of the pillar of light for the nation of Israel. When it was really dark out there, they couldn't figure out where to go. And then God in His supernatural power would send this Powerful light to guide them through the wilderness in exodus thirteen twenty one and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in the darkness, a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. What does it look like for us to understand light and darkness? What are the truths to live by is ladies and gentlemen, you have to follow Him. If you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, you will follow Him. You don't want to… you don't want to be in the darkness. You know this is the way, this is how I do life. I'm going this direction… Uh, For me, the Christian life gets better and better. Sure, there are seasons in which I can look back and go, man, I love the days of old. But ladies and gentlemen, I would say, I think when we romanticize the past in our relationship with people or in our relationship with Jesus Christ, what we're not doing is we're giving enough honor and recognition for the power of God in the present and in the future. Amen? It's what you're doing is you're romanticizing the past, but the whole Christian life is a movement forward. Follow me, Jesus says follow me. In every season, in every situation, follow him. Jesus called people to follow him. How about Matthew the tax collector? Luke 5.27, this is what Jesus said. Uh, Luke records after this, he went out and he saw a tax collector. This is a uh, corrupt leader, somebody who was incredibly wealthy and good, uh, working under the corruption of Rome and would uh, charge exorbitant amounts of money so that he could fill his pockets. After this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi. Matthew will be his new name. Sitting at the tax booth And Jesus, he said to him two words, help me out, follow. That's the Christian life. You don't have to be in front of Jesus. You don't have to run real fast. You just need to follow him. Do you know what Matthew did? He said, you got it. Okay. Um, Later in that chapter, you can look, I mean, he really did follow Jesus. He followed his example. He followed his teaching. Uh, Matthew goes on and he throws a party with all his lost friends, all his friends that are in the dark, and he invites Jesus right into the middle of it. He's like, this is Jesus. This is what I'm telling you about. They're like, you're crazy, man. You left everything for this guy? Matthew was transformed. He decided to make Jesus his master, not money. But let me share with you a story of another guy who did not want to part with his money. Story of the rich young ruler, Luke chapter 18, verse 22. He didn't want to follow Jesus, and Jesus tells him, one thing you still lack, you should sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Do you have to sell everything you have? Do I have to give my truck away to Mexico missions? Do I have to sell my house and live in a shack so I can be holy? No, you don't. The Bible doesn't teach a poverty theology that to have nothing is to be more holy. The Bible doesn't teach a prosperity theology that if you got a truck and a nice house and beautiful family, then you're blessed. Hashtag Blessed. Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches stewardship. But what Jesus was doing with this man is money was his master. That was his God. So he says, no, money is a terrible God. Kick that to the curb. You follow me. That'll work. Here's my point. When Jesus calls us away from something or someone, he will also call us to something or someone far better. I believe this with all my heart. Whatever you love, someone or something, there are times when God will say, walk away from that, I can give you more. In single life, I did that. Tried to find my joy and satisfaction in a relationship. I think of the woman at the well, right? She did that. She kept trying to cycle through men. And Jesus isn't calling her out of something simply, but He's calling her to something, someone. Whatever He's calling you out of, ladies and gentlemen, He's calling you to something or to someone. Don't ever forget that. The rich young ruler, he didn't comprehend that. He didn't believe that there were actually treasures in heaven. He didn't believe that God was actually worth it. He didn't believe that uh, following Jesus would be better than being rich in this life. So, he chooses money over the master. That's what he does. If we want to understand light and darkness, number three, as I said, we must follow Jesus. Number four, you need to know this, and I've said it so many times, um, that you're the light of the world. The church, uh, you Christians, you, you're you're the light. Let me walk this through so uh, we have the light of life. That is the phrase that I'll work with. John eight twelve. Jesus says, "Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have help me out the light of life." You have it when you receive Jesus Christ. You have the light of life in you. This is I. I don't know if it's a uh, gift, but I think the people probably that have the gift of discernment can see like the goodness of Jesus Christ in other people. And then they encourage them. Or they can see that someone's struggling or in darkness, and then they say to them, are you okay? And that person says, no, I'm not okay. Um, We have the light of life in us when we receive Jesus Christ. It's any metaphor for us to understand that we have something incredibly special that is eternal, ladies and gentlemen. It's the best thing. It's the light of life. It's what's good and right. John 9.5, Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Notice that. Doesn't that sound conditional? Doesn't that sound temporary? He says, as long. So, we were in John chapter 8. You jump over to John chapter 9, all of a sudden Jesus says this as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So my question would be is right, what happens when you leave? Who's gonna be the light? John twelve thirty five through thirty six. Then Jesus told them, You're gonna have the light just a little while longer walk while you have the light before the darkness overtakes you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the time that they have together before Jesus Christ goes to the cross. You're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before the darkness overtakes you. John 12, 35 continues, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going Thirty-six. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become, help me out, children of what? Light. You believe in Jesus Christ, you become a child of light. You're God's kids, ladies and gentlemen. We serve our heavenly Father, and through Jesus Christ we've been adopted, and we're kids of the King, you and me. We have the light of life in us. You got something to say? If you know Jesus Christ, you got the light of the world in you, man. Like what? That's good. Matthew five fourteen, Jesus said this his greatest sermon ever. He says, "You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden." I think probably he's thinking too, maybe even imagining or thinking forward or back about the uh, the illumination of the temple that you could see that temple from far away in the city and the light that came out of that place. And the church is really, it should be like a city, a lot of people uh, being a light to the world. You, I think in the end times eschatology, my personal belief is, is there will absolutely be a rapture and billions perhaps of believers will be raptured and then the light will be gone. And the world will become increasingly, like never before, dark. Why? Because you all are light. We need the light in the business world. We need light in the medical profession. We need light in the military. We need light in the educational system. We need light everywhere, because the world is in a dark place. I don't think the call is for the Christian is to leave your profession and become a pastor. I think your job is is to realize that you're already light. You're a priesthood of all believers. You're a minister of God's reconciliation and who He is. So, just be a Christian in whatever influence and space that you already have. Let people see who you are. Matthew 5.15 says this, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Are you a light in your home? Are you a light in your family? Are you a a voice of reason and encouragement. Light can do a lot of things. It can warm the place up. It can expose things that are wrong. Um, Sometimes too hot, you can burn things up. You ever had a magnifying glass? Those of you that were younger, you tortured those little ants? That's a lot of light. God's not calling you to nuke people. He's calling you to to bring exposure, to be a positive influence, to make a difference, to expose what's going on, to be an example. Don't hide it. Matthew 5.15, nor do people light a lamp, like I said, and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. This is a phrase I don't have uh, on the screens, but I want you to hear this for my Catholic friends or folks that come out of the Mormon background or Jehovah's Witness or other religions, is this verse does not tell us that we need to do good works so that we can experience salvation. What this verse tells us is that we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. God saved you so that you could do some really good work. He saved you because He loves you, but He's planned and purposed that you're going to do a lot of good work. And it's up to you to go, I'm going to be that light. I'm going to make a difference. I want to serve God. doesn't matter if you're 15 or 51. You've got a calling on your life. So, don't ever forget that. In closing, I'll remind you of a uh, an old book or movie, for those of you that don't read books, uh, Two Towers, Lord of the Rings. There's a scene in Two Towers where Sam the Wise has come along Frodo, and uh, Frodo has the ring, and he's supposed to carry this ring, and it's a heavy burden, it's a heavy responsibility, and Frodo has, is the hope to overturn evil, and Sam wise is, the Wise is his helper, and he says this, when Frodo's incredibly discouraged, she says, there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. There's a lot of good in in this world, and it's still worth fighting for. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I do pray for all of us that we would just embrace the clear, simple truths. Um, We do live in a dark world, but there's still so much good in it and we're going to be that light. Father, for those that are walking and living in darkness, here is the opportunity. You say, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. For all of you who perhaps would say, I don't know if I would go to heaven if I died today. I I want to get right. Here's your invitation. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I believe in Jesus Christ as the light of the world expose my sin, expose my darkness. Thank you for calling me out of darkness and into your light. Thank you you adopt me and make me part of a family forever. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Well, hey guys, um, I want to say thank you for all of you who give and serve at this church. You make our ministry and all of our missions possible. I want to say uh, giving is a great way to expand light. As I have talked even this morning with some individuals saying, hey, I've got some resources that I'd like to donate and contribute towards the work in the Navajo Nation. I'd like to contribute towards the Mexico mission. And next week, um, Scott and Trooper, uh, the president of I 68, will be here preaching about some of the mission work that's going on in Mexico. I take that trip with my family every year. I think Maya has been on four house builds. She's nine, ten years old. And um, you can do it. Uh, But if you can't go because it doesn't work with your schedule, you can give. That's partnering. Uh, Jesus has called the church to be a light to the world. This would include locally and globally. So when you give, when you serve, You're is increasing the light opportunity for people to walk out of darkness and experience His light. So thank you for giving. If you don't give, I want to encourage you to take that step uh, when you're ready. And there's four different ways you can do that. But thank you, all of you who give and serve at this church. You're making a big difference. All right, let's continue to worship. You can stand. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org.